Welcome to Fast Fiction Podcasts. The Black Cat. The Black Cat lay still, just in front of the gate, its coat giving off a shimmery luster in the sunlight. Trailing nasturtium surrounded its head like a halo in a blaze of scarlet. How pretty! Sarah clapped her hands with joy. Wait. No. It was stiff and strange looking, like a stuffed toy. Was it dead? Yes. The eyes had a glassy stare and trails of ants were beginning to make their way towards promise of a feast. One potato, two potato, three potato, four. She chanted as she trod on them, taking satisfaction in the squashed line that appeared. Five potato, six potato, seven potato more. The childish playground school song relaxed her. She mustn't think of death. Anything but death. Death was nasty. Ants didn't count. But she had liked Cat. Cat had always been warm and cuddly. And now it was stiff and hateful and... No, no, mustn't think of that. It was sleeping. Stan always said she should think of something nice instead. But she couldn't think of anything else. She couldn't think of anything nice. She she couldn't think of anything. Thinking was so hard. It gave her a headache. The old woman gazed at the corpse a long time fighting back tears. What what to do? Call Stan. Stan, she called. Stan, come quick. Something is wrong with Cat. Cat is sleeping that, that long sleep. No, no, Stan wasn't here. She must do something else. Maybe she could go and see Mrs Hadley again. She remembered that she had done just what Stan had told her, You must do when visiting. She had combed her hair and taken off her pinny and picked a bunch of flowers as a neighbourly gift, but but the flowers had died in the heat because it had been a long way down the track and out across the highway over to Mrs Hadley that last time. The traffic had frightened her. All the cars going so fast. She had still been trembling when she had walked up the path and rung the bell. Goat sick, she had said when Mrs. Hadley came to the door. Then carefully, can you call the vet, please? Why, what's wrong now, love? Mrs. Hadley had said, looking at her curiously. It was only a week or so ago that your lovely old dog died. Where's Stan? No, she wouldn't go to Mrs. Hadley again, Even though the kindly neighbour had insisted she have a cup of tea and a lovely piece of fruitcake, because Mrs Hadley kept asking questions and Stan had been most insistent that they Keep ourselves to ourselves. Neighbours gossip, Sarah, and gossip is dangerous. And Stan was right, because when the young man, the vet, had come, 
He had asked a lot of questions too, and seemed to think she should know why the goat had died. So when did you last milk the goat? The young man had asked. Then he had used a lot of big words and asked to see Stan. He hadn't liked it when she had told him that Stan wasn't there. And then he had expected her to pay him money. I'm not a charity, he had said. It's a long way for me to come. Must be nigh on four kilometres just on the dirt track, even once off the highway. So tell your husband I'll send in an invoice. Then, as he was about to leave, he asked, Does anyone else come out? How do you get your groceries? Sarah had tried to explain that she didn't need groceries, that Stan had an arrangement with nice Mrs Hadley to use the phone if they needed it. He made sure there was always tinned food with pictures on the cans. And in summer, you could pick the fruit straight from the trees and there were eggs from the chickens and milk from the nanny goat. She shook her head again. What did it matter anyway? She didn't need a goat because she didn't need milk anymore. Never liked the stuff. They had only used it for the dogs and cats and Stan's porridge. Yes, he did like the fresh milk on his porridge. The dried milk is just for emergencies, he had said, and for cooking. Well, she didn't cook any more. Too much bother. And she felt so tired. The days were so long now. So much to do. And now this cat. Well, serve it right. It had fussed so much wanting milk. And with the milk goat gone, there was no milk. So it had got thin, very thin. Well, it should have caught mice, even though it was old. Anyway, why had it died in the middle of her path all over her pretty nasturtiums? She kicked it savagely. She felt very angry. The head lolled back and the jaw fell open. The vacant eyes stared at her reproachfully. She would have to do something, that was for sure. She couldn't leave it where it was. It would attract too many flies and their noise gave her a headache. Oh, such a headache. She really must rest up. Perhaps, perhaps a cup of tea and, oh, and a powder. She hadn't had her Vincent's powders today. That was probably why she felt so tired. Yes, that's what she would do. She would make some tea. Sarah walked slowly back down the path to the side of the house. The path was overgrown where the weight of the ivy had brought the lattice work down and pieces of paper and garden debris had become ensnared in the rubble, making it difficult to pass. She would come out later and cut it back. Yes, there were the shears. She picked them up and gave an exclamation of annoyance. Why? They were all rusted through. She ran her fingers along the blades, quite blunt. They would need oiling and a good clean before they were of any use. Best to go to the shed and work on them right now before Stan saw them. Sarah, don't go leaving things out in the rain, he would say, and maybe get angry. Sarah's eyes misted over. She didn't like it when Stan got angry. Oh, she loved him so and wanted to please him, but but when he got angry... No, no, that was a nasty thought, and she wouldn't think of that either. A butterfly flitted out down towards the creek. The creamy white wings fluttered gracefully in the wind, as if it was dancing. 
Sarah's tear-stained face broke into a smile. Ah, she had danced once, long, long ago, <laughs> always running and skipping. She tried to skip as she had when a child, but her gnarled old limbs would not respond to the music in her head. She began to find it hard to breathe. She dropped a moment to rest, leaning her weight on the stone wall that had once surrounded the veranda. The butterfly was almost out of sight, making its way to the orchard where the overripe mangoes and persimmons were rotting on the ground. Stan used to put netting over the trees to stop the possums getting to the fruit, and if she squinted out to them, oh yes, Sarah could see Stan, tall, strong and oh so good-looking, his muscles straining to gain the extra height he needed to reach the highest boughs, that was when chickens had roamed free all over the farm and the sty was full of snorting fat pigs that would be slaughtered at Christmas and hung in the smokehouse for ham and bacon. The rich soil had yielded crisp vegetables and she would go out each day to make her selection for dinner. And then, then she would beat the big brass gong that Stan had given her for her birthday. And it would make such a racket. He could hear it even when he was over at the far paddock. My, Sarah, you could join the Salvation Army with that sound, he would tease as he came into the kitchen to roll up his sleeves and wash for dinner. Ah, she was so pretty then, and Stan so handsome. Sometimes he would put the radio on for her and tune in to a station that played music. Then he would sing along and she would dance. Oh, such fun. Farewell to old England forever. Farewell to my Broncos as well. Farewell to the well-known old baby where I used for to cut such a swell. With a start, the old lady realised she had wandered into the shed. Stan's shed. He liked her to bring afternoon smoko to him there, when he would rest up a while after working out on the farm all morning. She sniffed and took in, oh yes, the lingering smell of tobacco. Mm, that was good. Where was that man? The interior of the shed was dark and cool. Fumbling her way around the bench, she rested in the old rocking chair over in the corner. This would where she would sit quietly while Stan read the weekly paper and he would tell her of different happenings in the area. She looked around her and smiled as she saw his garden tools neatly hung up on hooks on one side, tools for the house on the other. He always bought the best, did Stan. Such a perfectionist. When they first came out here, to the far horizons of the bush, he had always been making chairs and tables. Then later, always fixing shelves and cupboards. <laughs> A real carpenter. The house had been so grand, with a wood stove in the kitchen and even an inside lavatory. Sometimes Stan would bring home magazines for her to wrap the apples before storing in the shed. She could look at the pretty pictures of women in, in pretty dresses and then, then she would cut and sew the material Stan brought from the town. 
oh, there had been so many good times. Just Sarah and Stan. Nobody prying and nobody saying bad things. But, but sometimes it would have been nice to have visitors, to show off her lovely home to, or even to talk to when she got lonely. A movement outside caused her to start from her reverie. Is that you, Stan? My, but you've been gone a while. She peered into the gloom, a smile of greeting on her wizened old face. But no, it was only a leaf being scrolled about by an impatient breeze. Whatever could she have been thinking? It was still early morning. He would still be in the paddock. Now, what had she come for? She scanned the walls, looking for clues. She was getting so forgetful these days. Why, only this morning she had spent an hour looking for her glasses, <laughs> and they had been right on her nose all the time. Boxes. Yes, of course, boxes. She peered into the gloom intently. She remembered seeing some old vegetable boxes just a few days ago when she was here last, and one of them was sure to be the size she wanted. Next to the old tarnished copper was the pile of various boxes collected over the years. Some were cardboard, some wooden, all thick with dirt and dust, but that didn't really matter. She was glad they had never thrown them away, as she seemed to need a lot these days. Picking up one of the cardboard ones, she went outside again. The glare of the sun surprised her as she went round to the front of the house, but as soon as her chores were done, she would be able to rest. With great difficulty, she knelt down beside the cat, which was getting quite stiff and attracting a great many flies, making the air heavy with the buzz of so many wings. It was not easy getting the cat into the box. Her fingers pained her, and her knees swollen with rheumatism screamed against the hardness of the path. It was a relief when the job was done. But now the box was heavy as she carried it back to the shed. <sighs> she would wrap it with the pretty Christmas paper Stan kept hidden in the old chest where he kept his secrets. Her thoughts played harem scarum between past and present as she lifted up the old chest. And then, finding the festive paper... She began to surround the box with it and fix it with twine. She talked to herself in her head, reliving those early childhood years that were now almost beyond memory. Now, Sarah, what are you doing playing outside in the dirt? Have you been digging again? Mother and father were always so busy and got so cross. Why can't you play with your sisters and stay nice and clean? But her sisters would laugh at her and say she was stupid. And if she cried to her mother, her mother would scold her again. Really, Sarah, just try and stay out of trouble. Stay by your brothers and do as he says. And she tried to be good and stay out of trouble and do what her brothers said to do. But sometimes, sometimes he was even rougher than her sisters and slapped her and told her to be quiet. Shush, Sarah, do be quiet. With so many children in the house, you had to hide your treasures so that the others wouldn't get them. Even when one of her older brothers gave her special things, he said that she mustn't show it to anyone else. It was their secret, he said. It's a secret, a secret, you understand? He would fondle her and kiss her in his special strange way and do those funny things. Sometimes it hurts. 
there, there, hush now, Sarah. Be quiet, won't you? And she, she wouldn't mind because she knew she would be given a new trinket to hide. Now, where had she put that last present? The pretty gold bracelet with the bright coloured stones that glittered like raindrops in the sunlight. Maybe she had buried it in the earth under the hoop pine with the other pretty things. No, wait. Wait, that had been in the other house, mother and father's house. Oh dear, it was so hard to remember. But that was good, wasn't it? She had been told to forget. Now, you just forget this ever happened, right? He'd been stern about that. This is our secret, Sarah. Don't you go gabbing to any others, mind. And she hadn't gabbed. But when Stan came to help out with the garden, he had seen them one day and been so angry. There had been a fight. Oh, so much fighting and swearing and blood. Bright red blood like the berries on the Christmas paper. And when Mummy and Daddy had blamed her, he had shouted at them too. He had wrapped his coat around her and driven her away. And, oh, she had been so happy because she had always liked Stan. He had always been kind, never said nasty things or laughed at her. Ah, the box was wrapped now. My, it was heavy. Now what? Her eyes fell upon the spade. That was it. She needed the spade so that she could dig a hole for the cat. Thank goodness it was the last cat. Why, once upon a time the place had been overrun with them. And of course, there were always kittens everywhere. Oh, they had been so sweet, so cuddly and soft, made up for not having babies. She had wanted babies so much back in those early days. And Stan had too. How happy they had been when she was expecting little Lucas. She had cut tiny clothes out of old linen and Stan had made a crib. He had been so good and clever, knowing when the baby was coming and what to do. That's right, Sarah. That's right. Now, very gently, very slowly, push. Now, push. That's right. The birth had been painful, but she hadn't minded. To have that small body resting on her breast made up for the long wait and all the discomfort over the cold winter months. It was like her toy doll, but better, because not only was it warm and soft, it moved and cried. Ah, the crying. Stan was helpful when it cried and showed her how to feed it at her breast, but when he wasn't there, she couldn't make it feed. She tried and tried, and the baby had cried and cried, and she had shaken it like her doll. Be a good baby and feed. But it hadn't. And then, then her precious little baby had become cold and stiff. She could hardly bear it when Stan had taken him from her. It wasn't fair. She had said so. Please, Stan, let me keep my baby. I'll care for it. Truly, I will. Stan had been kind. Sarah, dear, the little one is sleeping a long sleep. We must put it to rest so that it can go to heaven. We'll find a special place. A special place? Yes, she knew of special places. He had been angry after the second baby, though. The pretty little girl with the rosebud mouth, he had called her Rosie. Now, don't you go shaking her, Sarah. In fact, don't touch her when I'm gone. And she hadn't. 
and little Rose had grown so strong, and then she had begun to crawl everywhere. Sturdy little legs she had, so soon she was toddling after Stan. Oh, such a dear. Where, where had she gone? Sarah wrinkled her brow. It, it was so hard to remember. Ah, ah, that's right. She had gone out to the orchard on her own, and, and when Stan brought her back, she was stiff and cold like the cat. Oh, Stan had been so angry with her. He had grasped her by the shoulders and shaken her in torment. You should have looked after her, Sarah. She was too small to be on her own. But Stan, you told me not to touch her and, and I didn't, Sarah had protested tearfully. There had been no more babies after that. They had kittens instead. Stan said some of them had gone to heaven too, so they put them in the boxes and laid them in the special place. Sarah lifted the spade off the hook, noting how heavy it was. A clad of loose earth fell off onto her foot. Goodness, she wasn't wearing any shoes. No wonder the ground felt damp. Clutching the box, she dragged the spade behind her as she made her way around through the wandering Jew to the shady area behind the shed. Her gnarled fingers grasped the spade handle expertly, but she began to wince as she dug. Movement was slow, but the earth came up easily and worms and earwigs tumbled into view. She tried to keep a picture of the cat in her mind as she dug so as to best judge the size of the hole needed, carefully mounding the loose earth to the side ready for filling. Her eyes were attracted to the writing on the side of the box, but the concentration made her eyes hurt. She had never been much good at all that reading and writing stuff. That's why we won't have a proper wedding, Stan had told her. You'll have to sign your name, Sarah, and everyone will laugh at you, not being able to write and read and all. Stan was always good to her. That's why she had loved him so. He was always so gentle and kind and protective against the cruel taunts of the folk around. Even when he first got sick, he had said, I don't want no doctor. So she had nursed him, like she remembered when she had been sick as a child. She had emptied out the oleanders from the large pink jug that she always used for them and filled the milk to the brim, helping him drink. Oh, so carefully. Drink the milk, Stan. Milk is good for you. He had drunk the milk, lots of it, but had still got so thin, so ill. She had been frightened to see her big man so frail. That's when she had walked into the town and called the doctor. It had taken her hours. The doctor was bad-tempered because it was raining so hard and he couldn't drive his car right up to the house and he'd got wet and kept looking at his watch. Stan had said the doctor mustn't know about her problem with reading. He mustn't think her a fool, otherwise he would take Stan away to hospital. And I don't want to go to no hospital, Sarah. There will be no one to look after you. Be sure not to let them take me there. So she had nodded and said, Yes, doctor, I understand, when the doctor told her what pills to give Stan and when, even though she didn't really understand and couldn't remember. 
and when he told her what food Stan must have and what not, she had nodded and said, I'll look after him, Doctor, don't you worry none. Tears came into Sarah's eyes. That's when she had known Stan was really sick, because when she had asked him to explain what the doctor had said, he had just groaned with the pain. The sweat had come all over his body, and the tremors had taken hold. There had been so many pills to take, and Stan not able to help or, or read all the writing the doctor had put down on the paper. Now, now where was that paper? She had kept it so carefully and repeated the words over and over to herself. Per, scrip, shun. That was the word the doctor had said was the medicine that would make Stan better. The old woman shook her head. No, she didn't need it now. She looked around her and suddenly remembered where she was and what she was doing. With difficulty, she got up from the ground and stumbled over to the large oleander bush gladdened with soft pink blooms. She tugged at the sinewy stems, which left a soft, milky trail over her fingers and scattered the flowers over the newly dug mound. Stan had planted the bushes. Oh, how many years ago? The plants had grown well, too, bright pinks and reds that lasted through winter. She could still remember how he had chided her when she had first used them to brighten up the kitchen. Now be careful of them, Sarah. I know they're pretty, but they shouldn't be picked. They're quite poisonous, you know. Dear Stan, he had always treated her like a child, even when she had grown. It made her quite annoyed sometimes the way he was always warning her of things that could harm her. And of course, she had picked the oleanders all the time. After all, they looked so lovely. She would arrange them in the shoff pink milk jug Stan had given her for her birthday. My, that jug could hold a lot of milk. But then Stan drank a lot of milk. So when the goat needed milking, she would tip them out so as to fill the jug with milk. And sometimes to cheat on Stan, she had left the water in so as not to use as much milk. Such a bother to milk that goat. One, two... Three, she carefully counted the sprays in her hand. She would need two more. Four, five, five sprays, one for each mound. Little Lucas, pretty little Rosie, the first kitten. Then, of course, there was Bluey, the cattle dog, and the big mound still quite fresh where she had put Nanny, the goat, to rest. The black cat would just have to lie in its box under the tree away from Nanny and Blue. Neither of them had liked Cat. The earth was damp and moist after last night's rain and the bright pink of the flowers sparkled against the dark brown of the soil as she laid them out. One, two, three, four, five. Then returning to the oleander bush, she picked two more especially beautiful sprays before returning back to the hole to continue her work. She puffed with exertion, still humming to herself and talking quietly. Finally, her work was done. She picked up the largest of the two remaining stems and turned to face the large mound beside her, now covered with withered sprays of flowers lain so carefully and lovingly every day. She had laid the fresh bloom tenderly on top. Tears came to her eyes once more as she laid it down gently. 
Here you are, Stan. This one is for you. They're so lovely. And you're wrong. They're not a bit poisonous. I pick them and pick them, and they haven't hurt me one bit. Her hand patted the ground as she bent down nearer and whispered, Stan, the last cat is having a long sleep, but don't be angry with me. I'm, I'm too tired to bury him. I've just put him into his little covered bed beside the tree. I want to rest now, Stan, and, and maybe I can follow you up to heaven. Then picking up the last flower, she lay down in the freshly dug hole beside Stan, cramping her knees up close to fit in the confined space. She whispered her song over and over, just as he had taught her, until the darkening shadows numbed her with cold and her song was barely audible. And now I lay me down to sleep. I trust the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I trust the Lord my soul will take. And now I lay me down to sleep. I trust the Lord my soul to keep. And if you have been listening to The Black Cat, written and read and produced by Brianda Cross. 